Luke chapter 4, starting in verse 14. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Holy Spirit, and news about him spread throughout the whole countryside. He taught in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom, and he stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him, and he began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son? they asked. Jesus said to them, Surely you will quote this proverb to me, Physician, heal yourself. Do here in your hometown what we have done, we have heard that you did in Capernaum. I tell you the truth, he continued. No prophet is accepted in his hometown. I assure you that there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time, when the sky was shut for three and a half years, and there was a severe famine throughout the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them, but to the widow in Seraphath, in the region of Sidon. And there were many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elisha the prophet. Yet not one of them was cleansed, only Naaman the Cyrenian. All the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got up and drove him out of the town and took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him down the cliff. But he walked through the crowd and went on his way. Pray with me. Father, you are so glorious. You are so good. You are so holy. Father, your love endures forever. Father, you will never leave us and you will never forsake us. What a gift and a privilege we have now to enter in um, to your throne room through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we pray um, as we come to uh, approach you that you correct our hearts, that you do create in us a clean heart, a pure heart, Father. Let us not be a people who are angered, when our sins are exposed, but God, let us be a people who humble ourselves that we may have grace and mercy by your hand. Father, your word says that we should pray for those in our leadership, so we, we do now. We, we specifically ask that you, you to lift up our president. Father, with so many things going on in our, in our culture, uh, in, our, in our country, God, we pray, Father, that you open his eyes to the truth of the gospel. God, that you convict his heart by the power of the Spirit, Lord, Give him wisdom um, as he enacts laws uh, and as leads our country. Father, we pray for other lands as well. Father, this morning we pray for the land of Iran. Father, uh, we pray for the believers there. We, we pray that they will have religious freedom, that they will be able to gather without the fear of persecution. But Father, those who are being persecuted, God, we pray that you give them boldness. You give them boldness to testify to the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, you did not give us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and love and, and self-control. So, Father, we pray that you build them uh, in that spirit. Father, we pray for those in our own midst. 
Father, we thank you so much for Max and Molly. God, we pray that you have your hand on their life. God, we specifically pray for for Molly this morning. God, continue to heal her body, that she can uh, reunite with us in fellowship. Father, have your hand on Roy Thomason as he's continuing to recover uh, in the hospital. Father, we pray that you will just allow him to return home and then uh, reunite with this congregation. Uh, Father, we, we also ask that you bless other churches in our area. Father, this morning we pray for uh, Jay Hardwick at North Rock Hill. God, we pray that you fill him with your spirit this morning as he preaches your word. Father, we want all churches in this city to grow. Father, I pray that you grow that, that church in your likeness, in unity, in holiness. And Father God, we ask now for our own hearts as we approach your word. Uh, Father, I pray that you allow us to remove the distractions of the, of the, of the of thoughts of later the day, uh, in the day, all the things that we have on our to-do list, all the things that we are burdened with. Father, I pray that you allow your people to hear your word. This is a word coming from you. So, Father, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart will be pleasing in thy sight, my Lord, my rock, and my redeemer. Father, I pray that you build up your people into your likeness by your spirit, that your name would be glorified. We ask this in the name of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, uh, beloved, it is a, is a pleasure uh, to gather uh, with you again uh, to, to hear God's Word. Uh, me and my wife used to live in Washington, D.C. We, we attended a church there called Capitol Hill uh, Baptist Church, and one of the, the members there uh, left and went to the Middle East uh, as a missionary. His name was Max Stiles, and what he would do, he would go to university campuses uh, in, uh, in the Middle East and share the gospel with Muslims. It doesn't really sound like a, a very... Uh, Sometimes it's kind of a scary uh, decision, uh, but he was excited. The Lord blessed him. He went. Uh, recently, I heard him spoke, and he was sharing a, a message uh, of one of his colleagues who works in his student ministry in Iran. The name, her name was Nestron. Uh, she was, uh, grew up in Tehran, the capital of I- Iran, uh, 17 years old. Uh, and one day, she was, she was in the shower, and she heard this voice that said, I will wash away all your sins. She was startled. She, she's never even seen a church, never been to, never, never seen a Bible, never sung a hymn. So she went to her mosque and she asked uh, her imam and she said, I heard this voice that said, I will wash you of all my sins. What prophet was that? And the imam looked at her and said, that was Jesus. He's the only prophet who speaks like that. She said, okay, and went home. Well, that same day in, in the Netherlands, her sister uh, was a, a secret believer there. Uh, and and uh, a woman came up to her and said, I had a dream last night. I never have dreams. I can never remember any of my dreams. I don't think about them. But I woke up and this dream was so vivid. I had a dream that you were talking to women on a bed about Jesus. I think, I think he was in Iran. I think that you're called to go home. And, and the, the, the woman responded, I, I don't really, I can't really do that. I don't have any money. She said, no, you don't understand. The, viv, the dream was so vivid, I bought you a ticket. Here you go. She got in a plane, went home. She didn't know where to go. She went right into her house, and she, she knocked on the door and saw her mother and her, and her sister, Nestra. And, and she goes, I don't know why I'm here. She goes, we do. We've seen Jesus. You're here to tell us about him. 
So they went into the bedroom, sat on the bed, and she shared the gospel uh, with her sister Nestra. And she believed and received Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior. She indeed had all her sins washed away. Now that doesn't happen often in our culture, does it? Uh, We don't hear those stories of God moving in a powerful uh, dreams and visions. And we think it's kind of cool, don't we? When we hear that, it kind of inspires us. But we also need to know that when that driven happened, although it was, it was godly and it was good, that brought Nestra into a life of humiliation, a life of deportation, and a life of jail. Because she testified to the Lord Jesus Christ in an area, in a city, in a town that was not responsive to the gospel. Well, this morning we get to look at what happened to the Lord Jesus. Remember that he just had a vision, right? He had, he had this dramatic scene where the heavens were ripped open and the, the Spirit of God descended him on a, like, like a dove. And he heard that voice, This is my Son, whom I am well pleased. Tempted in the desert. And then he comes here to begin his ministry. Well, if you want to follow along in the outline provided for you on the back of your bulletin, uh, you'll see that first point. We're going to kind of look at three questions today uh, to frame this text. That first question is, are you active in the message of the Messiah? Are you active in the message of the Messiah? So we find in in verse 14, uh, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. We talked about that a little bit two weeks ago, how he, he, he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, and he left in the same power of the Spirit. And what did he do? He went about preaching the gospel, teaching in synagogues. And there's that that everyone praised him. Everyone loved his message. And then we find in verse 16, he went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. Uh, It's always interesting when when you read the gospels and the more and more time you spend with it, the Lord kind of shows you different things. Uh, well, throughout the, the beginning of Luke's gospel, this is the, probably the fifth time that it's mentioned that Jesus is from Nazareth. Jesus had a place. Uh, the, the, the idea of Jesus being identified from Nazareth is, is several times throughout the Scriptures. Let me just give you a few of them. Mark one twenty four, It says, Where, what have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know you are the Holy One of God. Demon speaking. His triumphal entry, Matthew 21 10 and 11. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up, saying, Who is this? And the crowd said, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. And even at his crucifixion, John 19, 19, Pilate also wrote an inscription and put it on the cross, and it read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. And when when Paul was on the road to Damascus, Acts 22, verse 6 through 8, I was on my way and I drew near to Damascus, Paul speaking, about new a great light from heaven suddenly shone around me and I fell to the ground and I heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And I answered, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. I, I, just, I say that to say this, Jesus, our Lord and God, our Savior, had a hometown. He had a place. He grew up in a neighborhood, in a family. 
And I, I think we, we, just, we forget how much our, our upbringing affects us. One of the blessings of being at this church is that many of you were raised in this neighborhood. You, you, were, you were raised in Mill Village. Has that affected you? Yes. How, how has affected being, being from Rock Hill affected you? I know how I've been affected growing up in, in Palatine, Illinois, that Yankee place. But I, I think that it's throughout the New Testament that you see Jesus being identified with Nazareth. I don't want to just skip over that. Maybe take, take a time this afternoon, take five, ten minutes, and just think, how has your upbringing changed you? How are you different than others because you're from Rock Hill or you're from your hometown? Well, let's push, push ahead. And we see here in verse uh, 16. So he went to Nazareth where he'd been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. We continue to see Luke doing what? Showing that Jesus was a devout Jew, just like his parents. This was an orderly religion. And it said he stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. Just imagine this scene. Jesus stands up, the hand on the scroll, he unrolls it, and it said he had to find the place where it was written. That was probably a big scroll. Uh, he was starting his public ministry. We see the proclamation of what the Spirit says Jesus will do. We see John the Baptist saying what Jesus was going to do. What is his message? What is his ministry? Now, Jesus steps on the scene, unrolls the scroll, finds where it is written, because he is going to make his pronouncement of what his ministry will be. What is the message of Jesus? We see it right here in our text this morning. It's a quote from Isaiah chapter 61. Look at verse 18 of chapter 4 with me. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because He has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He starts very clearly, the Spirit of the Lord is on me. Throughout Luke and Acts, you see that the, the, the working of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit descended upon Jesus. We know the Spirit of God is on him. And is anointed him to do what? Here's his job description. The first one is to preach. Jesus came to preach the good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom. Again, that proclamation, freedom for the prisoners. There's two places here, the freedom for prisoners and the last one, the release of the oppressed. Both are the same word in the Greek. It's liberty or freedom. Luke always uses that in his, in his, in his writings to show freedom from sin. So Jesus' message is coming to proclaim freedom from sin. He wants you to be washed of all your sin. That is his message. Recovery of sight for the blind. We could probably look at that maybe figuratively and literally. Jesus made those who were blind, he made their eyes open. He made them see. But it's also in a figurative sense, don't we? We say that I once was blind, but now I see. That's a spiritual sense. Once I did not know who Jesus was, but now I see him in all his glory. The idea of slavery or bondage. Uh, 
Let me just say this. Are you active in this message? Have you received this message? Have your eyes been opened? Have you received the good news? Are you free from the bondage of slavery and death? One of the messages of, of, of Hebrew chapter 2 says this, uh, verse 14 and 15. It says, Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might destroy, Jesus might destroy him who holds the power over death. That is the devil. And to free, free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. When you came into church this morning, are you afraid of death? Jesus' message, he wants to free you from the fear of death. He wants to free you from the, 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 the thought of being judged in your sins. He wants to proclaim good news to you. And look at how, how, it, how it goes on in verse 20. And he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. And then it says, the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. That's a literary technique. Pay attention to what he's about to say. They were fixed on him. In verse 21, and he began to say to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. That was probably not all he said. That was probably a summation of his message. But his message was very simple. Today, salvation has come. Today is the day of salvation. I was praying this week and I was praying that God would make today the day of salvation for one of you here. That you would have your eyes open. You would hear and receive this good news. That you would no longer be afraid of death because you know that you were born again by the Spirit of God in Christ. Have you received that salvation? If you're here and you are afraid of death and you know you've never received the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, do not leave today without talking to one of us, talking to someone who brought you or someone that you, that you know knows the message of, of, of Jesus. Sit down, share. At the end of the service, respond. Come down, take my hand, say, I want to be saved. I want to receive this good news. I want my eyes opened. But there's a second thing that we have to think about here. Not only are you active in the message in terms of receiving salvation, but our beloved church, are you active in sharing this message? This is why Jesus came. Jesus came to proclaim good news, to proclaim freedom from slavery and death. Is that your message? Do you live for that message? It's interesting when Luke quotes Psalm 61 he, well, verses 1 and 2, he leaves out the second half. Psalm, Isaiah 61, 2, second half of that verse, it says, the day of vengeance of our God. See, Jesus is right there. He wants you to focus on his salvation. But we know that a today, we think about, when we hear the word today, we think about tomorrow. We're not always guaranteed tomorrow, are we? Some of us know how hard uh, that is when we have loved ones who, who go on to be with the Lord. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. So I, I pray that, that today is the day of salvation, but we also have to remember, beloved, that we have to be actively sharing this message that people can be saved from their sins. Hold your place right here and, and turn to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 
2 Corinthians chapter 1. You can find that on page uh, 817. I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Chapter 2, verse 14. Paul's writing, he says, But thanks be to God, who always leads us in a triumphal procession in Christ, and through us spreads everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of Him. Believer, you, everywhere you go, you spread the fragrance of the Lord Jesus Christ. You spread this message. Verse 15, for we are to God the aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. To the one we are the smell of death, to the other the fragrance of life. And who is equal to such a task? Unlike so many, we do not peddle the word of God for profit. On the contrary, in Christ, we speak before God with sincerity, like men sent from God. Are you living your life as one who's been sent by God with this message? When you become a Christian, the Bible says that you are representatives of the Lord Jesus. You are his ambassador. You are called to represent Jesus to the world. How are you doing? Are we sharing this message? I I think as a church, we get so lost and focused on so many negative things so many internal struggles in the church, rather than that message, the message of salvation in Christ. Are we sharing that message? I shared this on Wednesday. Uh, you know, I mentioned the story of Nestron and, and her husband, Una, uh, who, who live in Iran, constantly under the fear of rejection and persecution. Uh, you know, our brothers and sisters throughout the world are, are under persecution of death and jail and uh, They fear the raised fist. But what do we fear? We fear the raised eyebrow. We don't want people to look negatively upon us. But as we go on and we study this passage, you'll see that the Lord Jesus was rejected in his hometown. People who knew him best, he was rejected. The reason why I had you read 2 Corinthians is that you know that when you spread the fragrance of Christ, people are either going to love you or hate you. But I think we're so driven, I want to be well-hard. I want to be well-received. The second question I want you to think about this morning is, are you amazed at the message of the Messiah? Are you amazed at the message of the Messiah? Verse 22 says this, All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. They were amazed at what he was saying. But I want you to see something here. Just because they were amazed at what he was saying does not mean they were saved. One of the greatest travesties in our churches is that we have many of us who who think good thoughts about Jesus, who don't think he's a bad person, think he's got good teaching. We kind of like hearing about him, but our lives haven't changed. We haven't been saved. We haven't received the good news. We haven't, our eyes have not been opened. We still fear death. We have good thoughts about Jesus, but there's never been conversion. 
You know, our churches across America are full of people uh, who are not Christians. Full of people who've made professions of faith. They have been amazed at gracious words said by a pastor or a preacher. And yet, their life has never changed. And I think what we, what we see here about the Lord Jesus is Jesus was not concerned with being well-received. He, he didn't care if people were amazed by his message, only parts of it. He wanted them to be saved. He wanted them to move from death to life. So often in my own walk with the Lord, I am so um, I struggle so deeply with the fact that I want to be well-received. But Jesus, His main goal is not to be well-received. It's that people will be saved with the message of the gospel. So what are you more concerned with? Your reputation or people's souls? For as Christians, we believe that if you don't have Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are condemned to an eternal hell with unquenching fire. I am grieved in my own heart every time I think about my timidity and my fear of sharing this message. If my neighbor who doesn't know Jesus, I'm more worried about him not liking me than I am about his salvation. Beloved, I think, we, I think we just need to repent. As a church, we need to have some, some good, heartfelt rep- repentance uh, the fact that we care more about our reputation than we do about the souls of men. I know I do. Now, we know from Mark's gospel, the same story is that Jesus uh, is confronted with unbelief. Mark talks about these people, they were, they were, they're unbelieving people. So just, just hear me for a second. I want you to be saved. I want you to experience the salvation of the Lord Jesus Christ. Have you ever been born again? Do you you think and rejoice in what God has given you in Jesus? Do you, like Nestor, believe that all your sins have been washed away? If that's you, amen. But if it's not, please, please come to faith in Christ. Well, the last question we asked this morning is, are you angry at the message of the Messiah? Are you angry at the message of the Messiah? So Jesus shares these gracious words, talks about salvation. People are all excited. We love him. And then they, they start making a turn on him. Isn't this Joseph's son? Isn't this Joseph's son? The, the carpenter's boy? We know, we, know his, we know his parents. We know his children. We know, I mean, not his children. We know his Strike that from the record. Jesus didn't have any children. You can laugh now because sometimes as a preacher you make mistakes and that's a mistake. Jesus' brothers, not children. Thank you. So they said, isn't this Jesus, Joseph's son, they asked. And Jesus said to them, knowing their heart, surely you will quote me this proverb to me. Physician, heal yourself. Do here in your hometown what we have heard that you did in Capernaum. Jesus was being challenged. In their hearts, he knew that they did not believe. They didn't trust him. 
you know, some people say that the positive comment, Jesus was saying such great words, isn't that Joseph's son? Like, we're really surprised. But most people read it as a negative. How, how could he say these things? Isn't that Joseph's boy? And I think that he, he immediately starts talking about the negative aspects of the hometown. Go into your hometown. He says, physician, heal yourself. Do hear what you did in Capernaum. Then Jesus says these words, I tell you the truth. He continued, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. Jesus calls himself a prophet and he goes home, those who are closest with him, and they don't receive his message. Now, I'm not sure about you, but has that been your experience? When you first come to faith in Jesus and you go back to your, your family and your friends and they look at you like you're crazy. I came to faith when I was in college. Uh, for two years I lived and I did everything else a typical college student would do. Uh, well, that summer after my sophomore year, I gave my life to Jesus Christ. It was no longer enough for me just to talk a good game. I wanted Jesus to be my Lord and my Savior. So I came back to school and I was just different. I didn't want to do what my friends did. I didn't want to live and speak the way my friends did. And you know what? They didn't get it. I was, I was made fun of a lot. I was ridiculed often, all the time, by, by, by my hometown, in, in, my, in my house, where I lived. I constantly faced persecution from my friends. Now, I would leave and I'd go somewhere else on campus. People would be, receive my words. They'd listen to me. But in that hometown, they say, let me see it. Let me see if this is going to last, right? We know you, Dave. We know what you used to do. You haven't really changed. But I did. By God's grace, I changed. See, Jesus then starts to open up and expose their hearts. He wants to show them their sin. So when, when, you, when you read this, let me read it first, verse 25. I assure you that there were many widows in Israel, in Elijah's time, when the sky was shut for three and a half years, and there was a severe famine throughout the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them, but to a widow in Zarephath, in the region of Sidon. And there were many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elisha the prophet, yet, no, but not, yet not one of them was cleansed, only Naaman the Syrian. You know, Jesus is calling them out. He's, he's, he's calling out their, their ethnic pride. He's calling out trusting in their heritage. Right? They believed that they were the special people of God. Now, they were Jews in, remember this is in the synagogue, they were Jews in Nazareth. They were surrounded by Gentiles. So they kind of had a, a lifted up opinion of themselves. We are Jews. We are the people of God. And Jesus looked at them and said, there were many, there were, there were many lepers in Israel, but only the Gentile was healed. There was many widows in Israel, but only the Gentile woman was touched. And they didn't like it. Jesus exposed their sin. And when I was reading this, I ask you, when you have your sin exposed, when the preacher or a friend shows you your sin, how do you respond? Do you get angry or do you get humble? Because the people here who, who did not believe in Jesus, who rejected him, their sins was exposed, and what did they do? They got mad. Look what happened. Verse 28. All the people in the synagogue 
were furious when they heard this. They got up, drove him out of town, and took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him down the cliff. Can I just be, can I, can I be honest with you for a second? Say yes, be honest, Pastor. Uh, it is so uh, hard sometimes as a, as a pastor because sometimes you have to say things that are hard to people. And they're, they're, you want boldness to, to proclaim and have courage, be strong and courageous to share things that are true. But so often there's this, there's this feeling, if I really tell them the truth, they're going to run me out of town. They're just going to run me out of town. Do you know in South Carolina, South Carolina has the highest forced terminations of, of pastors in the entire country? Also in South Carolina, South Carolina has the most pastoral suicides in any other part in our country. Now, it could be because pastors have some issues, and we do. Amen? Amen. That was a little quick, Dan. (laughs) But it also could be that the people don't like hearing the word. And sometimes when we hear the word, we get mad. Things Things aren't the way I want. We get mad, and we want to drive the preacher out of town. Or we want to take our money away. Or we want to take our our, our time away, our service from the church. That is the response of a heathen. That's the response of people who do not believe, who have rejected the Lord Jesus Christ. So beloved, when your sins are exposed, don't get angry. Get thankful. Get thankful that God in His grace and His mercy showed you your sin. And beloved, be encouraged that one day you're going to be rejected by others if you hold a strong faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. We just saw in the presidential inauguration, you know, I read it to you before, Louis Giglio was invited to speak because he's combating sex trafficking all over our world, fighting human slavery. And yet 15 years ago, he shared a message about homosexuality. So they said, you can't come. Why? because he stood for the truth of the gospel. If you stand for the truth of the gospel in our country, you are going to be rejected. You're going to be rejected by your employer. You're going to be rejected by your family. But the end of this story gives me so much comfort. Look what happens. So they take him to the edge of the hill, and they want to throw him down the hill to stone him for calling out their sin. But verse 30, but he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. I would have loved to be there. You know, there's certain scenes in the Bible that you would just love to be there, right? They're angry, they're yelling, they're about to throw him down, and then Jesus just walks away. Why? This time had not yet come. God is in control. God is sovereign. God is good. God does not do anything outside. Nothing happens outside of his will. Nothing. Nothing happens outside of his will. It was not Jesus' time yet. So when people reject you, it, that rejection comes under the sovereignty of God. I've been comforted this whole week with the thought that Jesus will never leave us and never forsake us. What did he say in the Great Commission? You know, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Then it ends with, lo, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. The Lord will never leave us and never uh, forsake us. And I think what Luke is trying to show here is that even though Jesus' ministry was praised and that people followed him, 
His ministry was always under the shadow of the cross. Because no matter how many people received Jesus, when Jesus died, being, being God pouring out His wrath on, the son, on His Son for our salvation, everyone rejected Him. Those closest to Him, His disciples, His family, weren't there. I think Luke is showing that Jesus' ministry is a, ma- is a message of proclamation. We share the good news. We share this message of hope. But we do it knowing that we're going to be rejected. We're going uh, to be rejected. Well, I started talking about uh, Nestron and uh, her husband, Una, who uh, served, uh, who are serving the Lord in Iran. That, that vision that God came to them and washed her of all her sins. Uh, their life has not been easy. They have faced much persecution and, and much um, humiliation. One story uh, that uh, this brother shared uh, was how they were arrested and they, they were thrown into prison. And they thought that they were going to die. They were arrested by the secret police on Iran. And they thought their life was over. Uh, but but the, the Lord says that when you are captured uh, by, the, by the authorities, the Holy Spirit will empower you to speak on, uh, for him. So every time that the interrogator came in, this husband was afraid and fearful. But every time the interrogator interrogator came in, he got filled with the Holy Spirit and challenged the interrogator right to his face. He said it got got so that after the the interrogator would leave, he would felt this release and almost feel like he would be undone. But every time that man would come back in, he'd be filled again with the Holy Spirit of God. He said it got to a point where he didn't even want the interrogator to leave because he wanted to continue to be filled with the Spirit of God. Well, they weren't killed when they were leaving uh, the, the jail. The, the one interrogator who, who, who uh, did all sorts of evil to them, uh, they looked at this man and they said, uh, we have shared enough with you so that you can have your sins forgiven. He will wash away all of your many sins. See, the message of the gospel is not for those who are righteous. The message of the gospel are those who are sinners. God is going to use this message to change the world. He already has used this message to change the world. The question is, are we bold enough to share it? Are we bold enough to share that if you do not have Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, there is no hope? I pray, I pray as a congregation that we will be filled more and more with the Spirit of God, walking in the power of the Spirit to share this message. Why? It's the message of Jesus. It's the message of His people. Let's pray. Father, help us. Help us have boldness in declaring this great message of salvation. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.